Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Shank, and welcome to the Brandon Shank Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you here. As always, welcome to the main man, Corey in the Corner. What is up, world? It's so funny how that name is just stuck. You know, it's a good name. It's got a good ring to it. It does. Corey in the Corner. I mean, it started, and we're almost, we're almost, hey. okay? So before we start the podcast, you know where I'm headed. I do know. There was the average podcast lasts eight episodes. Yep. We're almost at the one year. We're so close. I can smell it. So close. Yeah. I can smell it. It feels good. What I what should we do? Right? I mean, I don't that's know. what y'all let us we, know. What yeah, do you want us to do? What to do celebrate? we do? One year. Do we want to go to the Grand Canyon? One year. Oh, throw cupcakes off of it. Sign me up. I dude. think it's probably illegal. I think it's illegal to throw things <laughs> off the Grand Canyon. Probably. Do you want us to go to L.A. and go to a Dodgers game or watch the Braves and Dodgers? Watch the Braves beat the Dodgers. Do you want us to um, go jet skiing? Yeah. What are we right now? What, is this episode fifty? Is this fifty? I mean, it's got to uh, be close. 49. Episode 49. We're getting close, dude. And we had a couple weeks where we missed. Yeah, that's because, what I'm you saying. Know, we take breaks. Yeah. We're human. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this technically. It's been a year. But we it's been a more than a year, but we're waiting for episode 52. So let us know. How do you want us to celebrate the one year yeah. here on the podcast? Yeah. You let us know. And are we, we'll see if, if we like one. <laughs> this could go bad very quickly. This could be a live broadcast from this, a, a boat while yeah. we're doing could, some marlin fishing or us doing challenges that we have no that we, we don't, don't do want challenges. Try, i mean if you open this up <laughs> we have to agree to it yeah a gallon of eggnog i'm uh, feeling oh no way not a chance not a chance that's a christmas only adventure <laughs> we made oh, it though we made hey, it. one year yeah so close so let us know how do you want to celebrate it yeah do you want us to send every one of you a cupcake at work mm, i mean hey don't test us with a good time we'll do it we'll show up or do you want us to show up in the bunny costume Hey. With eggnog and a cupcake at your work, or we wow. pick one person and we surprise them at their job. Just never know. You just, just I mean, never we're, know. There's a plethora of opportunities here. <laughs> Let's not slow down. Let's just keep it going. But we're in no man land oh, for yeah. sports right now. You know, Super Bowl's over, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody's trying to figure out. Oh, what do I do now? Yeah. Well, you know, I started watching college baseball. Started last weekend, which I love watching. Yeah. So I started watching that. Um, there's always, you know, the NBA just had the All Star game. They have college basketball. Uh, the hockey stadium series, which are really cool. You gotta like hockey, but they, you know, they played at MetLife Stadium. They play in front of like sixty thousand people outdoors, which is yeah. always fun to watch. Yeah. Next year, there's gonna be a game at Wrigley, um, or Fenway. Either way, it'll be cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the All Star Game, the NBA All Star Game, has had the same problem that the NFL Pro Bowl has had for years. It's just not competitive. Uh, like the score was two hundred and eleven to one eighty six. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I, t- I tell you, what's more impressive that they can score that many points. That's very impressive. Unbelievable. Dude, that's unbelievable. How much me. the game is. That's crazy. But they have, NBA's got to do what the NFL's done. They got to figure out something. Like the NFL has a flag yeah. football game. They have all the competitions. Um, yeah. But the NBA has got to figure out. Because now the NFL Pro Bowl week, like I love watching the competitions. And then like the flag football game, you can relate as a, a couch sitter because <laughs> all of us play flag football. Yeah. Or most of us. But when you watch these guys outside of their pads play something that we all play in our backyard at Thanksgiving, it's amazing That's to see cool. how good of athletes they are. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love watching it. Like, I, 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 I cannot wait to the flag football game for the sole reason of watching these guys play football like us. <laughs> and you realize yeah. how good they are and yeah, why yeah. we are not what they <laughs> exactly. are. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Like, the stuff they do would be a catch that one of us would make that would be talked about for years. And they make 15 of those per <laughs> game. And, and it's just, it's casual. They stay on their feet. They look so, like, yeah. almost like ballerina. Graceful. Yeah. yeah. It's Graceful. amazing for us. You catch it, blow out an ACL, and tumble. Uh, uh, you're <laughs> panting. Yeah. <laughs> you're sweaty. Oh, and man. Cold sweat. I remember, yeah. uh, let's go ahead, VP. Um, we were playing at our house for the mm-hmm. uh, Dream Team party, and yeah. Kate and my youngest, I didn't even remember it that well, but Buddy <laughs> talks about how he just he put it on VP, he just burnt him, and caught the game when he touched down. <laughs> and VP's like, well, I wasn't running this fast. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're like, come sure, on, man. Sure, sure, Everybody sure. knows all of us would lose to a, a very fast 13-year-old. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Come on. yeah. It's okay. I'm not that fast anymore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And our house is on old farmland, so like the soil is really soft. And so by the time you're done, your legs and your back feel like you've just worked out for four days <laughs> doing some kind of intense. Dude, and I got, I got brutally mauled that entire game. I, I went home with bruises and scratch marks all over my chest and my back and, and that was just from the huddle a broken i'm pretty sure a broken finger from walter <laughs> thank you walter it still hurts to this day 
Dude, it was, man. Well, this is the thing. I like MLB's All-Star Game because it counts for something. So mm. the MLB All-Star Game, whoever wins it, gets home field advantage for the World Series. Oh, uh, yeah. So if the American League wins it, they get the home field advantage for the yeah. National League. You know what I mean? So they play for something, mm-hmm. which I love. That's cool. Um, But, you know, M- M- NBA's got to figure out something. I'll tell you one thing the NBA's doing right. And uh, the Lakers have just unveiled the first of three statues for Kobe Bryant, mm. which, yeah. I mean, yeah. cool. I would say this. He's never – he's sometimes in a conversation, but Kobe Bryant, anybody who has watched him, the greatest goes further than stats to me. Yeah. Like yeah. He, that guy, I would like to know, if you want to talk about a stat, I'd like to know who's made the most clutch shots in his career, and I don't know that anybody comes close to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kobe Bryant, to me, is the best player. And the reason is, Jordan, you, you talk about Jordan, he changed the game, right? And you have a logo, it's because you changed the game. Yeah, yeah. But Kobe yeah. Bryant played within that game better mm-hmm. than anybody to ever play it, in my opinion. Jordan yeah. changed the game. Kobe played within the game. Now, I would say the same for LeBron. LeBron can – you never see a guy like him that can shoot the lights out and play big like he plays. Yeah. And that's why he's so unique. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got your Steph Currys who can shoot threes from half court all day. These guys are unique. Kobe Bryant, him and – tell you what, him and LeBron James, Michael Jordan, they just have a, a, fer- a ferocity that's unbelievable. Like, I'll never forget LeBron James chasing down, you know, the Golden State Warriors and the, yeah. the – you know, from behind blocking that layup and – uh I mean, it, it's just those moments you don't forget. You know, they're mm, amazing. Absolutely. So, but anyway, um, you know, I, I just hope that they change. I hope they change it up. But, you know, it is what it is. Until then, all of us will be uh, – I was out. The boys had off school Monday, and I was out schooling these kids. You know? <laughs> I mean, granted, the oldest there were 12, but that's not the best. <laughs> Actually, 11. <laughs> just stuffing them. Yeah, yeah, my body hurt that night. Get out of here. You know, like, man, <clears throat> my body's feeling rickety. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Get old, man. I tell my kids all the time when we go out and we play basketball, I said, you want me to, like, play or be nice? My oldest is always like, no, be nice. <laughs> yeah, I told them, listen, my kids don't get free shots because they're yeah. going to have their whole life to beat me. So I got to beat them as much as I can until they get – once they start beating yeah. me, I never get, I'll never win again. Sure, yeah. So I got to win until – I get you. Yeah, absolutely. No, so, no, no, no. Well, a, a laid-back version, but let's go ahead and do You Asked For It. Ooh. I was ready this I felt week. like I kind of prepped you there. <laughs> yeah, I was, no, I was ready. Don't blame me. You asked for it. I think trends are funny, and I think it's funny because things that are trendy, we look back and we're thinking, what in the world were we doing? <laughs> and we look back, very few trends become consistent things that we use for the rest of our lives. Do you remember the ice bucket challenge back in the of, day? Of course I do. Yeah. I was a youth pastor during that, oh, <laughs> that time. So you were crushing it. <laughs> Uh, what do you so right now the big thing is ice baths. Oh yeah. Everybody's doing ice baths. Yep. What do you think of ice baths? Listen, um cuz it's a thing. I know. I've never I've never done one before. Um not that I haven't gotten cold water before, but I will say this. I one of uh the kind of the first counselor that I went to when I was kind of going through my depression, he actually encouraged me. He was like, "Look, if you one little thing that you can start doing, he said, when you when you get a shower in the morning or evening, whenever you get a shower, he said, for the last minute of that shower, turn the water as cold as you can and endure it for a minute. And do that. I did that for probably four months. It did not enjoy any moment ever of it. Uh, but what he said was, it does do really good things for your body. It does really good things for your brain. Yeah, it freezes it, it, and it can't think. It, it slows down everything that you can possibly do as a human. It triggers, there, psychologically, there's something like it triggers like kind of like your your primal like fight or flight kind of thing, and it floods your body with actually pretty good chemicals. And so you do almost experience like a dopamine kind of like, it's good. It's good. It's good for your brain. It's good for your system. And I will say it, I did it for four months. And he also said, psychologically, you begin to train your brain every single day that you overcome something that you don't want to do. And over time, that gets easier and easier and easier. Now, the sheer shock of cold never got a little bit. It got a little bit easier. But I would say it actually, it helped. It did. Like, I always felt better after I did it. So there, I think there is something to it. Yeah, I mean, the sure. jury's still out on it. Yeah. So the scientific... There's some studies that have been done, and some people will swear by it and they'll to their grave that this is what you need to do. Other people yeah. are saying, well, science has suggested things, but they haven't proven them. Sure. Right? So yeah, the jury's yeah. still out. 
Um, I, I, the reason I haven't gotten into this ice bath world is because when I play football, we took them in the summer yeah. after two day practices. Everybody yeah. get in ice baths, or you jump in, and they sometimes they have the ice baths just lined up. You just jump in them, and I mean, I never in a million. I and I can tell you this: when you practice that hard, that amount of times in one day, yeah, you expect to have some soreness in your, especially in your quads and in your yeah. hamstrings. To not have that. When I did the ice baths, you never had soreness. Yeah. That's one thing I can tell you yeah. is we would jump in those things, and I never – my lower body, my my back, my legs, everything felt fine. Like, the next day, you felt completely fresh. Yeah. So I can say – I can tell you it worked from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. It definitely helps with your body. So regardless of what science says, I can say from my experience, yeah. I was a 20-something. Now I'm 41. I don't know. Maybe – yeah. I mean, I, I have buddies that do it that swear by it. But – um. I just wonder if it's going to be a thing like the shake weight <laughs> or or uh, the tread walking treadmill while working. I know some people have those or the ball that people used to buy to sit on to like work their abs while yeah, they're working. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if one day the ice bath is going to be like that. And now it's been around for a long time because yeah. it's a form of like sports medicine. But I wonder if people are going to look back at us and say, what were these people doing getting in buckets of ice? You know, like we look back at uh, ancient cultures and we make fun of things they did. And I wonder, I just wonder, like, for instance, when I was in Greece, they have these cities that they're uncovering. Uh, and these cities mm. have the place, the bathrooms. Like nobody had bathrooms in their house. You get up yeah, the yeah. night and you walk to the city <laughs> porta potty. City bathroom. And it's, yeah. it was funny because it was a big long line of. And now you've been to sporting events where they have a big trough where everybody goes up. To <laughs> they had a big long line of just toilets. Yeah. You yeah. just sit down beside your buddies. Yeah. And you just let it get, let it go. Have a good and time. And we look back at that and thinking that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> that's so awkward. Some people think whatever. Yeah. Um. But it's interesting to me because I think we look back on cultures and like, what were they doing? Like, why? How hard is it be to just build a door, right? <laughs> but I wonder if people are gonna look back on us and say, what were these guys doing? They were jumping in buckets of ice. Like, what is the point? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I yeah. Mean, we'll see. Or if, yeah, I don't know, man. We will see. Wonder if it works. What ice pass? Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, you can attest to a certain part of it. I can yeah. attest to another certain part of it. Hey, if it works for you, we'll find out. Yeah, I just see the celebrities now jumping yeah. online and they're doing them. And just like, don't get hypothermia. Like, I've been seeing yeah. people do ice baths for the last five years, and now celebrities get a hold of it. And so all of a sudden, I, it's a new form of, yeah. um, you know, like, hey, drink green teas or, hey, you know, drink coffee that's made out of oat oil or, you know, whatever you name Dude, it. I it's remember, always something funny. Yeah, I remember like 10 years ago watching some like Discovery Channel thing of like some German guy that sits in like these ice pools. And like back then, it was it was almost like a hey like is there something to this but he like you know it was just some random dude that was like i feel so good and so young and yeah yeah and now and yeah now it's like everywhere so i, rem- I remember that vividly. You remember the guy on youtube that um oh, what did he do it was uh he he was like the meat guy and all he did was eat this certain type of meat he was just jacked oh yeah yeah and uh came out that he liver was on, king yeah <laughs> it came out that he was on roids he was juicing <laughs> Say, come on, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you believe me. Yeah. If if he was, he wouldn't look like that. You know what I mean? If it was just straight up meat, true. He yeah, look like that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so uh, I want to talk about money today. Oh. A lot of people listening, they have uh, money is a thing. It's a big thing because everybody's trying to figure out how to use it, how not to use it, how to spend it, how not to spend yeah. it. The the primal way is say, don't borrow, save everything, spend what you can afford and move on right Mm. i think we get into debt because we use other people's money and we don't have a plan yeah people that are really rich used other people's money to get rich unless they inherited it yeah all right let's be honest so there's the 20 somethings right now are rising up against the whole dave ramsey thing and for those you don't know Mm, the dave ramsey thing it is be debt free do everything you can eat rice and beans and drink water for 10 years (laughs) to be debt free yeah. And then you can spend your own money, save your own money, do your own things. Well, I can tell you this. With the money that I've made in my life, there is not a chance without a move of God, which has happened. Yeah. But there is not a chance if I saved up every dollar I could have and we lived on rice and beans, um, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. Because it's actually pretty good for you. But <laughs> metaphorically. Um, and we were debt-free on our vehicles. That whole time, there's no way I would have what I have now in my life if God yeah. didn't do miracles. Yeah, sure. So yeah. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll also say that the, re- the, the flaws in the theory of 
be debt-free, don't owe anybody anything. The flaw in that theory is, for instance, let's talk about a vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a vehicle that you can't fix everything in that vehicle. Most people can't. Yeah. Right? And a lot of times you need a machine to even diagnose that costs a lot of money. Yeah. So let's say, metaphorically, let's say you have a car that you paid cash for. But then over the next five years, that car costs you 7000 in repairs or even 4000 in repairs. Right? So you take that number, you break it down. It's an extra what? Like roughly 75 to 100 bucks a month. Mm. Um, and so my, my thing is, I think a lot of us, we get on this train and we want to be debt free. Um, I don't think that's, and we say, well, it's the Bible. Don't, don't use scripture in this context. Cause that is not what it means. It mm. says you're a slave to the lender, but there is context to everything in scripture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you're indebted to the, you're a debtor. I, listen, I have not, if I, there has been things. For instance, and this isn't a throwing shade, but uh, the solar panel people came to our house last year. And we're like, hey, here's solar panels. Put them on your house, and over the next 10 years, then you won't have any electric bill, and then we'll pay you to use the electric from your solar panels that have generated for other things. Like, you can actually make money yeah. once you have solar yeah. panels after 10 years. But it was like $75,000 turnkey. Yeah. And I just didn't feel a piece about it. Do I think they're great? For some people, if you know you're going to be there forever, sure. Yeah. If that's what you like, if it's something that doesn't go away like electric cars may, I mean, I think the electric cars may go away. I'm just saying, maybe not for a long time, but right now they're definitely not something the masses are buying, right? They're we, sitting yeah, everywhere. Yeah, we don't have the grid for it. Yeah, you know? they're sitting everywhere. Yeah. My point is this. We didn't feel a piece about it. We were sitting down about ready to make the purchase, signing the dotted line. They came back, and I just told my wife, I don't feel a piece about this. She's like, yeah, me neither. We ended up selling our house within a year. Had we gotten those panels, mm -hmm. that money would have gone against the sale of our home. Yeah, yeah. That's just one instance, right? That has nothing to do with debt-free. My point is this. I think we teach a concept that isn't – and listen, Dave Ramsey's worth like $200 million. He didn't get that way because he's debt-free. He got that way because he's an investor, because yeah. he knows money. But I think it's a dangerous thing to adopt to think this is a way. Sure, if you're debt-free, this and this. But then what are you missing out on? Uh, I'll give you an example. There was a family that I met one time. I don't remember how many kids they had, but I have four, and their family looked bigger than mine. Yeah. <laughs> They were living, they bought a piece of property, and they built a three-car garage or a two-car garage, and they built an apartment above mm -hmm. it. So yeah. you're talking at most 1,500, maybe 1,200 square feet, and that's probably being generous. Yeah. Probably more like 1,000. They built an apartment above this garage, and they bought the garage and the property, and they were going to pay off the property and the garage and all of their apartment upgrades. Once that was paid off and they were debt-free, then they were going to build their house. So they were going to live in that apartment. For years until they got it all paid off to build the house debt free. My thought was, you have all these kids. One, that's miserable. Mm. Two, they're little once. Yeah. Some of these kids will be out of your house by the time you build that house. And then by the time you're finished building that house, if these kids don't live near you, you're gonna you and your husband have a big old house with nobody here. Nobody's gonna be here to share it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why not borrow, build what you want? And you say, well, then you have the interest, this and that. Okay, so your building costs in four years are probably going to go up. So the money you're saving because you're not borrowing, well, in four years, those building costs are going to be more expensive. So now you're in it an extra 70 or 80 grand. Well, how much has your interest have been in those four years? Yeah. Do you see yeah, my point? Sure. Like, we always want to – there's not a clean-cut way. I'll yeah, tell you the number one yeah. way Casey and I have had anything in our life was we follow the – we absolutely follow God. We have – in your spirit, sometimes I say, well, my gut tells me. I'm telling you, your gut is a lot more the Holy Spirit than what you want to give him credit for. Mm. He is speaking to us. And I know for us, even with the house we just moved out of, when we bought that house in 2020, I really didn't want to move. I loved our house in the oceanfront. Mm. We bought that house. We moved in in 2021. When we woke up the day after we moved in, we both were depressed. We not, well, that's probably not the right word because I've gone through real depression. We were both heavy. Yeah, sure. And we were both thinking, why did we move? We missed our neighborhood. We missed our neighbors. We missed the community that we had established for six years. And we were like, why are we here? And it took about two weeks because at the time COVID was going, we were quarantined because her brother had COVID. We never got it, but we had to stay quarantined. And then somebody else got it that was near us. So we had to stay quarantined for four to five weeks. And we were like, why are we here? So we just put money into the house. We fixed it up. We changed every uh, fixture in the house. We redid the floors. Um, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we did everything. Yeah. And that house, we went in an knowingly flipped it mm -hmm. we weren't we were just trying to make it what we wanted it to be had custom backsplash put in like we did all this stuff 
And then we ended up selling it. We made a significant profit. Yep. We borrowed everything for that. We even borrowed money for the upgrades for most of it. Mm-hmm. But then we got all this cash that was just money made off of the money that we invested that wasn't our money to begin with. Yeah. We took out a second mortgage. People would be like going through, like, what? You took out a second mortgage for 40 grand? You had a half million dollar mortgage? Like, what are you thinking? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The only reason we could afford that mortgage is because of the first house we bought in the oceanfront that we made money off of. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So my point is, I think that we have tried to follow a play for so long, and there's so many people that are living. And I had a one of my buddies told me this because he was really good with he was I say really good with money. He was debt free. He wouldn't spend a dollar. Him and his wife when they went out to dinner would never get their own meals. They would split a meal. He would always buy cars from like the junkyard, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And he told me he told me one time he said I am as bound by money as anybody who spends freely. Yeah. Because he's like I can't spend it. Yeah. That was his words. Mm-hmm. And he has a ton and he has a ton of cash, but has never brought him anything. So my point is, I think we have to look at money differently. Yeah. You know, I think our approach has been wrong. I think as Christians, I think being debt-free is absolutely, there's potential to be very legalistic in that. Because if it makes you feel better than others, sure. that's legalistic. And people think, well, I'm debt-free. Well, that's great. But this person has debt, and they actually have a lot more net worth than you do. Yeah. And they have debt on their name. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it's because they've used other people's money to accrue that debt. Like, you know, one of the things is like, your credit score doesn't matter. That's garbage. Your credit score doesn't matter. Well, so everybody's going to save up half a million dollars or 300000 to buy a house in cash. Like, in what world are they living in? Mm. Like, what world can you? You have to be seventy years old to afford that. You see yeah. what I mean? Mm. Like, in what world are you actually living in? And I'm not saying having no bills is bad or having bills is uh, being debt free is bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the problem is that the debt free world looks at people who have debt as yes. well. You're bad. Well, yeah. it's not true. Some of those people are extremely. They're very gifted with money and they're just playing the game. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. The bank doesn't mind it. You don't mind it. And everybody's making out. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just saying because I, I think that being debt-free sounds great, but the same self-righteous approach never pays cash for a house. Well, I'm debt-free. Well, how much do you own your house? Well, that's under. What's the difference if it's a TV from Best Buy or your house? Well, I would say it's a depreciating asset. Your house is not. Right? Yeah. So when people yeah. pay cash for cars or pay cash for RVs. I never do that. Why? Because I want cash to do things with. Mm-hmm. I want cash to invest stuff in. Depreciating assets, I never, ever pay for. Ever. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm saying that's my way to do it. Sure. Now, if you pay something off because you kept it for a long period of time, that's one thing. My wife had a really nice Tahoe Premier. We just got rid of it. Why? We were close to paying. We were like a year and a half from paying it off. Uh, there's a couple little things where I'm like, they're not big deals, but they're just stuff I don't want to fix. Um, and it wasn't even bad things. It was stuff that like a dealer could probably fix for nothing. Yeah. Um, just little things, but we needed another vehicle and we had it pay down enough. Like, yeah, it helped us, but to pay that car off, knowing like uh, the, the shocks on those cars cost three grand to replace just on the front because they're made with platinum. Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. I did that. I did it for both of them. So when stuff like that starts happening, uh, for us, we just, we've never, it's not bad to have that, but when cars get certain mileage, they start to fall apart, right? So sometimes they don't. If they don't, keep them. Drive them. <laughs> like my wife's Jeep has, like, we just bought a Jeep that had, like, 90,000 miles on it. It's a great car. Garage kept. And I know somebody small or really old drove it because I pushed the seat memory, and it pushed my knees through my <laughs> chest, and the steering wheel was on my face. Uh, and, but the car's in mint condition. Yeah. So, yeah, I absolutely believe you can do that. But what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of people, they're like, well, I don't even really know what to do with my money. Well, I'll tell you the number one thing. Give to God. Yeah. This is not a tithing podcast. This is a serve God podcast. I'm telling you the number one thing, you give God generously what's his, and he will multiply the rest. But if we don't give him what's his, he can't multiply anything else. Mm. We don't give it to him. Yeah. yeah. That's the number one thing. It's good. And I think a lot of people just miss that. You know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people would say, Man, like, how'd you get where you're at with money? This and that. I'm like, Well, I can tell you truthfully, we have never made a ton. I've shared that on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I want people to know man, we didn't get where we're at because we just hit it and wrote some books and the church is, you know, running 10,000. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It, we don't, I don't have, I'm not on a contract where the more the church makes, the more I make. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not the way this works. And I would never want to be on something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, when it comes to money, they're strapped, they're, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed out. Um, and Casey and I, man, for the first five years of this church, we were a single family income household. Mm-hmm. We had four children, and uh, I sold everything I owned twice to get where we're at. Mm. And it wasn't to thrive. It was to survive. 
I had negative $400 in my bank account because of a bill that came out. And I went that day and sold my PlayStation. I think I had a gun that I sold. Um, I had uh, skis that I sold. Yeah. Um, made $600 that day. And I had nothing left. And I put it in the bank, and we were in the black mm-hmm. for a week. Yeah. And then I got paid. That was three years ago, four years ago, right before we moved to Prodan, the last house we owned. That was yeah. that late. People think, oh, that was long. No, it was, we, my wife didn't work. Yeah. She didn't get paid for the first four years she worked here. Like, it mm-hmm. was volunteer. It's what happens when you start something. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's never been a complaint about that. We, I, God doesn't owe me a thing. Yeah. My, my point is, um, the one of the, the people that responded to this article said, well, I'm not willing to live on rice and beans. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. Nobody's asking you to. Yeah. But I think that strategically... When God gives us things, if we follow his leading and his spirit, and you can say whatever you want, you will have more than you ever imagined you could have. God mm-hmm. doesn't have poverty for Christians. He doesn't. Yeah. And I'm not, this is not a prosperity gospel. I'm saying poverty doesn't, we always look at poverty as poverty means God will provide. Or God, not being in poverty means God will provide. It doesn't mean that you're not looked at as a certain social class. It means yeah. God promises to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Promises. Yeah, I mean, what what else do you want it to say? What, what how do you want us to put that in context? So what I'm saying is, I think we get so overwhelmed with money and, uh, dude, I got four kids that are probably all going to college, right? I what I tell them too is like, there's got to be parents say, well, I don't want my kids coming out of college with debt. Sometimes the best thing for them, if you can't afford college, they say, you know, pay for it in cash or don't go. I completely disagree. I never would have gotten my undergrad if that was the case. I never would have gotten my master's if that was the case. I never would have gotten my doctorate if that was the case. I couldn't afford it in any phase of my life to pay cash for my college. Yeah. And the doctorate was, and the master's were cheaper than my undergrad, individually. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Because I think God will take care of all those things. Yeah. And I, I think like people, um, you just don't know what he's capable of doing. And I think we have tried to strategize with our finances so much because it puts us in control. And I'm telling you, you say, well, how do you get there, Brandon? How do you get to that place? You give God what is his and you pray over the rest. And I promise you, he will do with your finances what you cannot begin to think, ask, or imagine. Strategy is good. Uh, I had my financial advisor... I, I was I had a buddy who's a great financial advisor, and he told me he's like people like you don't really need to, need me. He's like because you guys are entrepreneurs. He's like you're gonna find ways to make money with your money that's probably greater than what I could do with it. Like I have retirement and I put it away in a fund and I've got stuff like that. But he said you could probably he said you'll find ways to multiply that more than I will. He's like because you, you'll you're an entrepreneur. That's what you guys do. He's like you're not happy with a five percent return. Yeah. And I'm like he's right. Yeah. I'd rather buy a product or, you know. Um, buy some tickets, you know what I mean? And sell mm-hmm. them, even though it don't really work like that. <laughs> I got season tickets to the commanders, but you don't make, I mean, you break even. I mean, I didn't go to any of the games. I gave two games away and then you pay for preseason the same you pay for regular season, but I made, I mean, I broke even basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just a, it's a different animal, you know what I mean? And so I think it's just important for people to know. Um, a lot of times people borrow, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to be in that world. And then they get in super big debt. Well, you can't play the game if you don't know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, a lot of guys, they don't, a lot of these big ballers, they don't. Uh, I was at a, an Audi dealership once buying a car, and it was like a the cheap end of a, like a, a used Q3. It was like a $25,000 car. And I, there was a Porsche dealership connected to it. And I asked the guy, when I did the, sat down to do the financial piece, I asked him, I said, how many guys come in and buy these Porsches and just write checks? He said, none. He said, really, none of them. He said, "All these guys come in and borrow, just like everybody else." He's like, "Because yeah. they don't, they don't spend their money on cars. They just borrow for them and then get rid of them, like everybody else." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred thousand dollar car sitting all over the place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not saying people don't do that, and it's not good. I'm not telling you how to do your money. I think when somebody tells you this is exactly the way to do it, I would say I can stand by one thing that I tell you: follow, give to God what's yeah. God's, and follow His leading. This is not about palms. This is about whatever church you go to, wherever yeah. you're at. You're saying, "Why well, don't go to a church?" Well, then welcome to Palms, baby. <laughs> um, but this is about saying, I promise you, God says, test me in this. Yeah. You give to God what is God's. Yeah. Give him, and, and I told, I said it Sunday, it's about generosity, not about a percentage. God says, give me 10, but you find yourself when you're generous, you give more than that. Mm. I, you, you know, you can count to the penny, that's fine, but don't be legalistic about it. Give to God, and I promise you, test him in this. Say, well, I don't even go there. You test God in this. You give him his 10%. 
You give above and beyond. You be generous with what he's given you, and I promise you, I promise you, your life will be overflowing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the difference between, like, the gospel is a prosperity gospel. The way people have peddled it for their own good is different. But the gospel is that, saying God saying, I will always provide. Yeah. I will never leave you. I have more for you than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. If that's not a gospel saying your life will be better with me than without me, then what is? Sure, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think, like, <clears throat> the the beauty of what you're saying, you know, and from my perspective is God is both so simplistic, and and complex isn't even the right word, but also so nuanced and different in the fact that the simplistic part is 110% agree with you. God commands this. He asks this. Give. You give back, you know, what what I've given you. So that's that's all of us. We are we're all on that foundation as Christ followers. That's the simple foundation. Do do what he asks. But then at the same time like financially all of us moving forward God is going to be so nuanced and different for every single person. And you got to follow his lead. You got to follow what he's asking you to do because your story is going to be different than mine and mine's going to be different than theirs. And like, I do agree with this. It's not, we don't live in a one size fits all world and God all the times isn't a one size fits all situation. It's not, well, you just do this and then that equals what God wants to do. No, God is so nuanced to you. It's a personal relationship with you. So you follow his prompting, you follow his leading and take the steps of faith that he's asking you to take. And that's going to look different for every single person. And so I agree, we can't, can't put God in these boxes all the time that this is the pathway to financial peace for you, but not for everybody else. And I think if we're okay with that, let's, let's, yeah, we can all move forward with those conversations. What's the difference between somebody handing you a check for 30 grand and you buy a car with it? Yeah. Or you take out a loan for thirty grand, and somebody comes by and hands you a check for thirty grand, you pay off your car with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what that's what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. But that's the problem is that people are like, there's a lot of people who will be legalistic and saying, "Well, you should never borrow that money." Hmm. Why? So you're telling me? Uh, I know churches that have had mortgages paid off, but if they didn't have the mortgage to pay off, there would have no money to give. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Siri's trying to, for whatever reason, I don't know. <laughs> She's yelling at you. They're, 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 they're listening to us from everywhere, guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Siri's even tuned in today. I just think That's it's something funny. important I want people to see. There's a lot of shame in finances, mm-hmm. especially for fellas. And the reason I say that is because we feel like we provide. Yeah. Even if your wife makes more than you, there is a innate thing in all of us to provide for our families. That's why yep. God says, like, I am your provider. Yeah. And I know for me, there are times I feel really good about myself when we have a lot of money in the bank or when we have a nice thing, and then times I feel really bad and we don't. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not what God, that's not his heart. Yeah. And so my encouragement today is I want people to hear this, and, and I really want you to trust God. You're like, I don't even know where to start. I'm telling you where to start. You get on your knees. You ask him, Lord, help me to have the faith. Yeah. Build my faith to give to the local church. Listen, I'm, I can't validate my heart in this. Because those of you listening that actually know me, you probably don't need me to say this because you know me. Those of you listening that don't really know me, you're thinking, there's another preacher peddling money for God. Well, until you see that that's not the case, you'll continually live without God's blessings for what you can actually do with multiplying things in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been genuine pastors for thousands of years say, give to God, and it has changed people's lives. And there's been countless pastors for a lot of years who have screwed it all up. And been peddlers. They're, turn on the TV. They're on there. Like, we get it. Yeah, yeah. Turn on the internet. They're on there. Turn on your your social. They're on there. Like, look through social. We get it. Mm-hmm. But I am telling you, as a preacher of the gospel and as a shepherd of people, that I have a mandate that the elephant in the room at Palms Church has never been about money. I have always said, God doesn't want your money. wants your heart. He wants your heart. Yeah. And I can't afford to give 10%. That's what I used to always think. But I did. But now I'm thinking, I can't afford to not give. This morning, I woke up and I got an email, Palm Church Donation Processing. It's recurring on everything I do. Yeah. I don't even think about it. I put it at the beginning of the year, we give our tithe to the church, and it makes it recurring. Why? Because I don't don't want there to ever be a situation where I forget to pay it or money is too tight. Mm -hmm. So it comes out. It's just like a mortgage. It comes out. Why? Because I have committed to God to be in that year. There's never been a moment where I've held back from the church 
Yeah. Because I needed it. Because God's always provided. Now there are times where stuff is tight, money is tight, things don't. I mean, you even being here, like we're a multiplying church. We're getting ready to launch a campus in another state. Mm-hmm. It costs a lot of money to do that. Yeah. So you have to budget. You have to be smart. And there are times where things can be touch and go. Even around here, because you're like, hey, hold off for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for and people sure. are like, what? Y'all are with the church you're at? Yeah, why? Because we are a nonprofit, meaning we put everything God gives us back into doing ministry. Yeah, yeah. We are called to reach people. And so we don't use our money for anything other than that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for everybody listening, trust God with this. Yeah. You can always give online to Palms. You can text to give. You can give online, Palms Church Online. You can do all that. But where are your churches, whatever home church you're at? Don't give to a ministry that you don't know anything about. Don't give to say you go to where you feel God's calling you to be yeah. shepherded, guided. So you don't go to they always say you don't go to Golden Corral and pay out back. You know, I don't know why you go to Golden Corral anyway, but <laughs> just kidding. Those of you who like it, no offense. Ooh, but you 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 go go to the place that God's called you to, the, the voices that is speaking into your life, the place you would consider your home, church home. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a place, check some out. You know, Palms Church, we are online. We'd love to have you, but this is not a don't get this mixed up. For those of you listening that have a background in church, this is not a tithing message. This is a yeah. message about your finances. And a lot of people are so stressed out about money that they can't see straight. And I'm telling you, give to God and trust him to lead you. And do not subscribe to a man's theology on how you have to do your money. I mean, my wife and I, we there's been seasons of our life we had a ton of debt. Early on in a marriage, we made a lot of money. We spent it on diamonds and Lexus and everything mm-hmm. else. It wasn't that those things were bad. It was that we couldn't afford them at the time. We just overspent. And then I stepped out of my job to do full-time travel and preach, and the money was about a quarter of what it was. So, yeah, and we had our house foreclosed on in 2009. So I'm sitting, and there was reasons. We weren't living at the time. We were in Missouri, and I had a buddy who I, I rented it to that was less than what, you know, it was what he could afford. It was less than what I owed on it. And so it just was a bad situation. Yeah. But I can tell you this. God used that situation to teach me what I'm teaching you. Mm-hmm. I had a truck that... um I had bought with 0% financing, but it was like a $45,000 truck at the time. You're thinking, well, why would you do that? I understand, but it was 0%. I was just trying to get the debt paid down. I paid on that truck for four years, and it was a monster payment. But I paid it down, and my wife had Caden. We couldn't afford to pay the hospital bills. I didn't know what we were going to do. Well, I had tried to sell that truck multiple times, and I just could never sell it. Well, God spoke to me. He said, Brandon, it's the wrong model. It was that clear. And I went online and looked it up. I had put the wrong model in. When I put the right model in, it was worth over $4,500 more mm-hmm. than what I thought. I sold it in two days. <clears throat> paid yeah. off all of our hospital bills. Like, God will work miracles in your life. Yeah. If you're faithful. We never stop giving. There were times we were eating macaroni and cheese and hot dogs all weekend. And we had to space it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We had to yeah. ration. But he was faithful. Mm-hmm. He was faithful to us. Yeah. Uh, and I can make a mean hot dog. You put some sriracha on that thing. Man, it take you to a new place. My point is this. We let finances rule our life, and I'm so grateful for those seasons. There was this time my wife and I were on our couch, and we were praying. We didn't have any money. We lived at the dorm. and uh, My wife was a resident director in a dorm of 250 girls. And we were just praying. And, uh, like, Lord, we need you to move. And we were very active on the campus and the lives of these students. We heard a knock at our door. And I would go over and answer the door. And on the ground is a bag i picked it up and it was full of money and it was in change and ones and fives for no apparent reason because of the impact that we had had on that campus the students just passed a bag around all the dorms and they gave us hundreds of dollars <laughs> yeah. just to say thanks for what you do we never asked for anything yeah we were my wife was working there that moment i, I we had just got done praying and then knock on the door. Like, mm-hmm. you can't make those moments up. Yeah, yeah. My point is, my wife and I have learned, like when Paul says, I've learned to live with nothing or a lot. We've learned to live with nothing. And I can tell you now, that's why when God's given us a lot, it doesn't feel overwhelming because it's just stuff. He's good for it and he's yeah. amazing. But it doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change our perspective on how he's faithful. Mm-hmm. I'm not more happy. I don't have a different level of joy at all. And I yeah. see those seasons where we didn't have much. It hasn't changed anything. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we were relying on God every day. And when you get a lot, you just don't rely on every day, but for something different. It's yeah. different. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not saying go out there in a crew debt. And, no, I'm saying you got to know how to play the game. You got to know something about money. Get some help. But 
um, don't make it about whether or not you have debt. Make it about whether or not you give to God and you're listening to him and letting his spirit guide you in your finances. Because some of you think, I don't have anything extra. Well, you'll never have anything extra. Let him multiply what he has given you. Yeah. Because if you're running, I, I, I had a financial advisor years ago and I asked him what to do and he said, well, you don't have any extra. He said, you have no cushion here. He, he was a Christian. He never recommended I start taking away my giving. I wouldn't have done it. But um, being faithful in your giving, God will, man, he will multiply it. Uh, and he will take care of you and your family in ways that are yeah. immeasurable. I had years. We had five years. We had no money. I mean, we were in the red for five years, and we lived on that campus. Yeah. We loved it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I didn't have one car issue in five years. Yeah. I didn't but, have one thing I had to pay for outside of yeah. just living. Like, God protected us for five years. Yeah. And those are those are the miraculous things that when you, you give of your, you know, biblically, like, your first fruits. I mean, this is... Yeah, because fin- we, you know, a lot of us can be wrapped so tight when it comes to finances. So it's like I get it and I understand it, but this is such a biblical precedent that is throughout the entire Bible. Like before money is even really a thing that is talked about in Scripture, you're giving of your first fruits, your best, your best produce, your best livestock. You're be- you're sacrificing those things to God because He's asked those things and it is a heart thing like we say all the time it is not it literally is god wants to know where your heart is in all this stuff and i <clears throat> that is the foundation the miracles i do believe come after that foundation you know you want to sit back and you want to have a financial miracle it's the foundation of are you giving back to god what he's given you and you're like well i don't feel like i have much i don't feel like he's given me much he has mm-hmm. He has, yep. you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a lot, but he has, and are you willing to give back? And from that heart place, not a money place, not a how I think about money place, from a heart place, he provides and he does miracles. And so I think I know your heart when it comes to this. I can't speak to other churches and other pastors and other, like, I know your heart in this. You want people to experience the miracles that come from a heart heart place of giving and that is a biblical thing like we can stand on the truth of the bible and god's word and say he asks this of us and this is what we experience on the other side of it and i think there is a desperation just for people to experience that but it comes with a mindset that does kind of let go of money you know and again that is not to say that we don't plan we don't God obviously tells us to be good stewards. He, there's other things that come along with that, but the foundation is give back. Well, and I think stewardship is, I think stewardship is turned into budgets and misspending when mm. that's not what it's about. Yeah. Stewardship's about are you giving God what's His? Yeah, that's what stewardship's about more than anything. Yeah, if you give God what's His, you're not out spending lavishly. Yeah, you're not out laid out on the sidewalk probably every night drunk. You're yeah. you're not out taking all the money that was meant for your kids' education and spending it on, you know, Cheetos and gummy bears. Yep. Because there's a there is a alignment that takes place. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're perfect with your finances, but um I know people who don't have much and they stress a lot about their finances. And I know people who have a ton and will never have to worry about money again that stress a lot about their finances. The stressing about money has nothing to do with the amount, it has everything to do with faith. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's faith. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't have that. They'll, they'll give and they'll be consistent, but they don't have, like we did a one day last year, which was for this campus in Oakland. And my wife and I, we put everything on recurring. So we have all this giving going. And we give we give to other organizations. We give to World Vision. We give to A21, which is sex trafficking. It's like a, an organization that fights tra- sex trafficking. It's a Christian organization. We it's give Christine to World Kane, Vision. right? Yep, Christine yep. Kane. We give to World Vision, which is, um, you know, feeding the hungry, you know, feeding kids. And we give to another organization because Caden was at a Toby Mac concert last year and raised his hand and adopted another kid. <laughs> Let's so, go. Yeah, so we have these organizations we give to outside of the church. And this isn't, this is, the reason we do this is because it's just, we just feel called to it, right? Yeah. And so for us, generosity has never been about an amount. It's about, being faithful to God with what's already his. You know, I heard, heard the illustration. If somebody gave you a box of 10 donuts and asked for one, you'd be like, well, sure, it's yours. But yeah. we, God gave us a box of 10 donuts and asked for <laughs> one. And we say, well, no, I need all yeah. these donuts. <clears throat> and yeah. we don't realize how selfish we are. And it's funny because giving is that thing where people can easily dismiss it because, well, I, I don't believe in the church or that's fine if you don't believe in it, but that ain't about the church. It's about you and God. Yeah. 
if you don't believe in the church, you don't believe in Jesus and God. Yeah. Why? Because it's the bride of Christ. So if you can tell me, well, the church hurt me. If you can tell me you don't believe in the church and the power of the church, you can't convince me that you believe in the full power of God. Mm-hmm. Because if you tell me that my wife is somebody that you don't like, that she is somebody you don't want to be around, that she is somebody that you don't have any respect for, then I can tell you that I don't have much place for you in my life. Yeah. It's my wife. Yeah. It's the bride of Christ is what the church is to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have an honor for the bride, you can't tell me that you have an honor for God. Yeah. I I struggle with this concept because I don't like the things I've had to endure in times. I don't like the people I've had to deal with at times. But I don't get to choose that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so people all the time would say, well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Well, it doesn't work like that. It does not work. You can't accomplish what God has for your life without the local church. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. That's simple. It's so hard, too. You, you can't yeah. be a nomad. It doesn't work like that. It's so hard, too, because most of us, and I include myself in that, too, you have such a small picture of the church. You might be talking about a church or churches, but to say the church, that that's a big, that's a big statement. It's a big statement. And there's a... There's a lot of churches out there doing a lot of amazing things. A lot of me. Well, yeah. the thing is, the church, like you said, it's bigger than what we see. It's bigger than social. It's yeah. happening all the time. Yeah. All over overseas and all these different countries, they're fighting yes. for a place. They're fighting for their local church to be able to have yeah. services without being gunned down. And yeah. that's not just well, America's gun problem. No, I'm talking about gunned down where you don't even hear about it, mm-hmm. and it's happening yep. at, a, at a rapid pace. Governments that won't allow the name of Jesus to be spoken. Yeah. There is a fight for the church, and it is powerful. It is effective. Mm-hmm. I heard a stat. There's more people saved from 2000 to 2020, whatever this is now, than in the history of all mankind because yeah. of the population and the gospel moving. And I am telling you, trust God with your finances. Trust him, trust him, trust him. It'll change everything. Final thought. Oh. Here's my final thought. So I think I've talked a little bit about this in other podcasts. I want to touch on it again. Coaching isn't about criticism, right? I think a lot of times uh, people say, what makes a great coach? Well, coaching, you know, I coach uh, baseball, and we're getting ready to go full into the season. We got practice tonight. We've uh, we practiced for the last couple months, and uh, actually since January. And we're coming into March where we really hit the ground running. <coughs> and I can say this. Coaching isn't about criticism. It's about building something in a kid that they can't do without you. I think a lot of coaches out there always ask me, like, how do I teach this or do this? And mechanics are important. You know, there's YouTube. There's all kinds of other resources, other coaches you can call, and people will tell you. But great coaches are the ones who can bring something out of a kid that nothing else can. And uh, my greatest coach ever was when I was playing 13U and I was playing rec ball, which means just a regular little league type baseball. And the year before, I didn't make – I made little league, but it was in Oakland. And nobody knew who I was. And the next year, I went to try out for senior league. I think I told you this story. I didn't make it. Yeah. And so I got put on a team. With this time, we had a store up there called Treasure Island, which all y'all listening from Oakland, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. It was like a really cheap version of Walmart, <laughs> if you can think of that. And, um, or Kmart. And that was the team I played for. Thank you, Treasure Island, for your sponsorship. Um. And it was our games were on Wednesday mornings in the summer at like ten. First of all, you don't even want to choose sunflower seeds at ten in the morning, and on a Wednesday during the summer, so you didn't get to play in the evenings. And there was only three or four teams in this. It was a minor league for senior league. Which looking back, like why would you do that, right? (laughs) But anyway, we played, and it was awful. It was a whole summer of it. That was my summer baseball when I was thirteen. When the next year that team that I was on got made into an expansion team. So instead of redrafting it, they took all the kids that couldn't make senior league and they put us all on a team. They called us Oakland oil represent Oakland oil. Thank you for your sponsorship. Um, They made us into a team called Oakland oil and they put us into the league. And it was all the kids who couldn't make the league the year before me included. And our coach that coached the team, I think his son was on it. I don't remember all the details. So we came into this league, and they were just going to beat the, the junk out of us, right? Well, we ended up having a really good season, ended up getting the playoffs, beat the team that was supposed to smolder us, and then we ended up losing by one run in the next round in the semifinal game to get the championship. And that year, my coach believed in me more than anybody. And I was coming off of a tough year, man. I was on a minor little, a minor senior league team. I wasn't even good enough to make senior league. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? And I felt... Like, baseball was something I liked, but I wasn't good at. I felt like it was just, you know, you could go fill in the blank. Well, the next year when I made that, whenever our team became the expansion team in the league, 
my coach just thought that I was the best kept secret in the league. I batted leadoff. I had, I led, I was like, uh, I think I led the league in homers that year. Had a great year. I was batting over 800 in the first 20 at bats. Yeah. Um, and my coach, I remember I, I, I got out and he comes and I, I got mad and I sat down on the bench. He comes over to me. He says, you need to relax. He said, you're 18 for your first 20 this year. And, um, I say that because I'll never forget him. Yeah. He didn't know a lot about, he'll tell you, he didn't know a ton about baseball. He didn't try to know a lot, but he was, he believed in me in a time where nobody else did that yeah. year. I didn't make my high school team my freshman year. My sophomore year, I made my high school team and started. And I mean, mm. because that summer before I made, and then I made the all-star team that year and started. So for a kid who was on an expansion team, couldn't even get in a league the next year, because our team, we just took what we had, went, went to the playoffs, won the first round, or got to the semis. I ended up making my high school team the next year, ended up starting for my high school team. <laughs> all these things followed suit. Yeah. My point in saying that is coaches, the greatest thing we can offer kids is believing in them and helping them get somewhere they can't without us. Yeah. And it's valuable. Yeah. Uh, I'm a living proof of that. You know, I have sports that I love that the coaches were okay. And I don't, rem I remember them, but it's, it's, they're just X's and O's. But the coaches that I really love were the ones who believed in me in ways that I didn't believe in myself. They were the yeah. ones who gave to me in ways that I couldn't have given. <laughs> so I want to encourage all you coaches out there. A lot of guys or people are saying, well, how do you coach this or how you do that? Or how do you do this lineup? And I, those things are all important, but the greatest thing you can do for a kid is to show them something in them that they can't do without you. And that's what great coaches do. Um, when the kids have that kind of value added and we're in a world, I was talking to a coach this morning, man, kids get moved from teams all the time. It's like a free agency out there. The minute you play a team and you have good kids on your team, they're calling to try to get their kid on their team. It's, it, there, it's nothing good about it. It's just the, the disgusting nature of the travel world that I happen to coach in. Uh, we don't do that because I'd rather get a kid and develop them over years than to pull kids off of teams. Mm. Um, because I believe that there's something about that relationship. There's something about growing a kid in the same environment for years um that'll change their life and play with their friends you know instead of playing with a bunch of play with the kids that they grew up with you know there's something valuable about oh, that yeah. to me so uh i just want to encourage you guys today no matter what you do you may think man i'm not that good at this just keep caring for the kids you know show them something in themselves that they can't get to without you let me pray for you god i pray over each and every person listening i thank you for today i thank you for all you're doing we love you we give you all the glory everybody said amen love you guys see you this weekend palm church 9 30 online in person we'll see you then